Well, hello, everyone. It's really good to be able to connect with you again today in this manner. And uh, as always, I'm very grateful that you've invited us into your home and pray that the service has been and it will continue to be a real blessing to you and your spiritual journey and uh, to all those who might be watching with you. Well, this weekend, of course, is a Memorial Day weekend and Monday is the official holiday. It's the day that we've set aside as a country to honor those who have given their life in the military service of the United States. Originally, uh, Memorial Day, uh, at least reportedly, was first widely observed back on May 30th of 1868. It was uh, first known as Decoration Day, and it was called that because it was a time to decorate the graves of soldiers who had uh, died uh, serving specifically fighting in the Civil War. After World War I, observances also began to honor those who had uh, given their lives um, fighting in any of our country's wars. And by 1971, Congress had declared that Memorial Day was a national holiday. As you heard uh, earlier in the service from Bobby Lee Barr, here at Calvary, uh, we are, have just several ways in which we're trying to reach out to families who have lost loved ones in military service by, by sharing with them and showing them our, our love, our appreciation, our encouragement and support. If you're one of those families and you're watching today, we want to offer you that very thing as well. You know, or if you're a family member, if you're a family that has a member that is actively serving right now, uh, we want to um, offer you that. If you're a, an individual who has served in the past or maybe is actively serving right now, again, whatever connection you might have uh, to the military on this weekend, uh, we just again want to want to say a thank you. We want to we want to show love. We want to show appreciation. We want to show support and encouragement to you. We're going to talk about memorials actually today. Uh, and as I as I look at as we look at one specific memorial, we're going to see how actually memorials are, are beneficial for us, uh, that we need them and um, that they can help us in our spiritual growth. We're going to look at some of the features of memorials and uh, Hopefully that'll be a blessing to you as we do that today. Before uh, we kind of jump into that, I'd like to pray together. So if you'd bow your heads with me, that'd be great. Thanks. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather with each other, even virtually. We thank you for the opportunity to learn from you today. And we pray that you would be the one who is our teacher. We pray that we would submit our our wills, our minds, our hearts to your leading and your direction that you might change us, Lord, more into the people that you want us to become. And God, I also just want to specifically pray for those family members who are experiencing uh, and feeling very acutely this weekend and especially tomorrow that, uh, that sense of loss, of that family member who's not there, the one who has lost their life serving in the military. We pray also for those families who have uh, members who are actively serving right now, for those individuals who might be watching, watching who themselves are serving or have served in the past. We, we pray, God, that you would uh, provide uh, support and encouragement for them, that you would provi provide comfort if they're having, experiencing grief and loss, that you would provide peace if they're experiencing anxiety or restlessness or fear. You, you, God, we just, we just pray that whatever that need might be, that you might be filling it today 
uh, as their heavenly father, as the one who loves them more than um, <laughs> even than anyone else on earth might be able to have the capacity to love them. God, we again, we yield ourselves to you in this moment, and we, we pray that you would be honored and glorified. And we pray that uh, at the end of our time together, that, that again, you would have changed us more into the people that you want us to become uh, by the truth of your word and by the power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as I said, uh, memorials can be beneficial, and I want to talk about them and uh, why they are today. The specific one I want to look at is actually in the uh, life of the nation of Israel. And the context is this. So Israel had been enslaved in Egypt for a long time. And they had been delivered from that slavery under the leadership of a man by the name of Moses. They had a miraculous deliverance. They left Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land. Well, before they got there, because of some of their own disobedience, uh, they actually ended up spending 40 years kind of wandering around in the wilderness. During those 40 years, God was doing things for them, leading them, providing for them, uh, but they weren't able to go into the promised land yet. Just before they were going to go into the promised land, uh, God, uh, there was a change of leadership. So Moses was out and uh, a man by the name of Joshua was in. Joshua is going to lead them into, the, into that land. Uh, there's going to be lots of actually military engagement uh, with the uh, independent city-states that make up the land of Canaan, the first of which is going to be Jericho. And just before uh, they're headed in there, they, they cross the River Jordan and they're kind of like uh, literally and symbolically moving in to the promised land. And we're going to pick that, that story up then in Joshua chapter 4. Uh, just after they cross the Jordan and just before they head into the promised land and get ready for that first military engagement with Jericho. So Joshua 4 uh, and verse 1. I'm reading from actually the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It says this, After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Choose twelve men from the people, one man for each tribe, and command them. Take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing. Carry them with you and set them down at the place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you, will, each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them. The waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. These stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. That English word memorial uh, comes in Hebrew from the word zikron. And the, the root word of zikron is a Hebrew word zakar. Zakar means uh, to pierce, to impress on the memory. It means to remember or be remembered, to, to recollect, to commemorate. Uh, one scholar says it's, it has three basic sets of meanings which range like in overlapping mental states as well as external actions. For so from that root word, then we get the word zikron, and zikron is literally a memorial. It's a reminder. It's a remembrance. 
It, it's an object reminder or, or a token act by which something is brought to mind. So you can see how that, that's exactly what's happening here in the story of Joshua chapter, uh, Joshua 4, the story of these 12 stones, that as these 12 stones were lifted from that riverbed and piled together, they served as a, it was a, it was a, an object reminder and a token act of some, of something. It brought to mind something and specifically it brought to mind, uh, for Israel, the crossing of the Jordan and, and them entering in to the promised land. So as we think about memorials, the question that I'd like to just open up with is, why do we even need them? Why are, why do we need memorials in our lives? And I think it really, it kind of all boils down to one answer. I think we need memorials in our lives because in so many ways, and especially spiritually, we are just prone to forget. We're prone to forget. There's so many reasons for that. You know, we, we get busy. There's so much on our plates. We, we look at our phones and we look at our calendars and we think about all the different places we have to go and the emails we have to answer and the texts we have to respond to and the voicemails we have to, to listen to. We get so busy and overwhelmed. We get deceived into thinking that there are things that are more important. We get distracted. We are just forgetful people. I think there's also the aspect of, for many of us, it's kind of like, you know, we're kind of focused on what's here, what's now, what's current, fresh, exciting, or in. And sometimes um, we need memorials because we forget about those things that are super important but we oftentimes, uh, you know, kind of backburner them, like they forget about them, stick them away in a drawer. And then all of a sudden, especially again in our spiritual lives, we find that out of our forgetfulness, there begins to be a spiritual apathy that set, sets in. I've mentioned one of my uh, favorite professors in, in my time in seminary to you before. His name was Louis Stolman. And Dr. Stolman, an Old Testament professor, would, would just remind us over and over and over that one of the most important and recurring themes in all of Scripture was that of remember. Don't forget. And the reason that that's such an important uh, theme and such a recurring theme and such a vital theme is because, again, we're prone to forget. For all those reasons that I talked about before and more, we're just prone to forget. And so Moses, I mentioned him earlier as the, that first leader of the nation of Israel as they headed out of Egypt. Uh, the book of Deuteronomy is, is basically made up of his teachings to Israel that are kind of uh, be their, their guiding sort of faith documents as they head into the promised land. And one of the things that Moses said to them in Deuteronomy chapter 4 was this. He said, only be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen and so that they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. All of the things that Israel had experienced um, as, they, as they were provided for in their miraculous deliverance from Egypt and the way God provided for them in the wilderness, um, it, Moses tells them, be on your guard, watch yourself, it's, it's really important that you don't forget what you've seen, the power of God, that you don't, don't let these things that you've experienced slip from your mind. In fact, he says, and, and I think this is important, he invites them to, to teach the, those things to their children and to their grandchildren. And I think there's power in that because 
in doing that, it not only impacts the person who is receiving the teaching, the children and the grandchildren, but the one who's doing the teaching. One of the greatest ways for us to be reminded about how uh, the, the greatness of God is to teach about the greatness of God. One of the things that we're, ways in which we're, that's uh, the greatest way that we can remember the, the incredible uh, sacrifice of Jesus is to teach others about the incredible sacrifice of Jesus. And so, again, it says it much similarly, and, and a couple chapters later in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. It was so important. In fact, in, our, in, the, in what we just read from Joshua chapter four, um, Joshua encouraged, the Lord encouraged those, those Israelites to teach uh, their own children why this sign was one and the significance of this sign. He says, and again, verses six and seven of Joshua four, this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, again, teaching that next generation, what do these stones mean to you? He says, the if, when they ask you that, you tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters, the Jordan's waters were cut off. And he actually repeats that almost verbatim, those very same words. If you look down in verses 21 to 23 of chapter 4, the same thing. So again, it was super important for Israel to, to always remember and not forget the faithfulness of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, the way the Lord had provided for them, the miracles that he had done on their behalf. Remember them yourself and teach them to your children and use memorials like this, this pile of 12 stones that came out of the Jordan Riverbed Use things like that to remind people of how, of how God has walked with you in such a relational, loving way. And so that, that admonition to not forget, to remember, uh, using memorials are, are so important because, again, our, we're prone to forget. In fact, it's so easy for it to happen. Uh, in just that last four or five minutes, you could see how important it was for God and the reminders that he gave them and the tools that he gave provided for Israel so that they wouldn't forget. But unfortunately, that isn't what happened. In fact, after the, uh, the Israelites had, uh, had settled into the promised land and, and, and after Joshua, the time of Joshua had come and gone and he had died, you know what it says about the nation of Israel later in, in the next book in the Bible, the book of Judges? In the book of Judges, Judges chapter 2, and Judges might be one of the saddest books in all of Scripture. And one of the things it says in chapter 2, verse 10, stating about Israel, it says, After that, whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, that generation, Joshua's generation. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. They'd forgotten. They'd forgotten, and we forget. And that's why it's so important for us to have memorials and symbolic reminders in our life. Because again, we're prone to just be people who forget about God. There's so much other stuff on our plates. There's so many other aspects into our lives. And if God is just another thing that we're trying to fit in, then that's not gonna work. Memorials and reminders offer us a chance to stay, always stay centered, stay focused on God as our core, as the most basic and important aspect of our lives. So that 
in everything else, in all the other aspects of our lives, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, um, how we treat others, how we operate within a, within a family, everything might be informed by that core understanding of Jesus as the one thing that matters most of all. So we need memorials. We need reminders because we're prone to forget in a very practical, somewhat humorous way. Isn't that why we speak into our phones on a regular basis and ask Siri to remind us to pick up that particular grocery item, to not forget to call uh, that particular person back, to make sure that we you know, do some uh, chore around the house or attend to some task at the office. We need reminders because we're forgetful. And spiritually, it's so easy to be forgetful. Well, what are the features of, of memorials? What do they, they kind of look like? Well, based upon what, what this memorial is and uh, the one that we're looking at, this 12 Stones Memorial, as well as some others in Scripture, the first thing is uh, they're a statement. <laughs> they're a statement. They're, 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 they're something that, uh, that proclaim. Notice in verse 24 of that, of that chapter that we're looking at, Joshua chapter 4, this, this happens, this event and the, 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 the creation of this 12 stones memorial by God. God talk, is talking about that in verse 24 when he says, This is so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. There's kind of a dual aspect to this statement, right? It's something that's being proclaimed to everyone, that all the people of the earth may know. So when they, this 12-stone memorial was observed by anyone, the story could be told of how God, again, was the one who had this mighty hand and led the nation of Israel as they settled into the Promised Land. So there's this universal to everyone proclamation, this statement to everyone, but there's also, again, that statement to the ones who had experienced, experienced it. So that all the people of the earth may know the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you, you may always fear the Lord your God. So again, the, one of the features of, 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 of memorials is that they make a statement. So you think about memorials that exist in our, in our own world, right? Uh, sometimes it's a political memorial, sometimes it has something to do with a, a, an individual in society, uh, it can be sometimes a memorial can be something which uh, commemorates a, a tragic event that happened. Uh, sometimes in the athletic world and in, in the world of celebrity, there are memorials that occur that make a statement about an individual's life. And that's what memorials do. And that, that's what this memorial did. This 12 Stones Memorial is it made a statement to the world and it made a statement to those who had experienced it. So one of those features about memorials is they make a statement. Second, they're enduring. There's a permanence to memorials. They, they last. They're, we have memorials for things that are worth commemorating. And, that, and, that, and that's, a, that's a significant feature of this memorial that we're looking at, this 12 stones memorial. In verse seven, what did it say? These stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. God wanted that to be something that Israel would never forget. That it was not their own strength. It was not their own miracle working power. It was not anything that they had done. But in fact, it was, what, it was the fact that God was on their side. And so they, he wanted that, that memorial to be something that would 
be there forever, that they were, they would always be, these tones, those stones would always be a memorial, a reminder, this token act that would call to mind how God was on their side. So memorials are enduring. There's a permanence. They, they last. They make a statement. And third, uh, memorials are distinctive. Memorials are distinctive. There's something unique. There's something special about them. Verse 8 of this uh, Joshua chapter 4 says this. It says, The Israelites did just as Joshua had commanded them. The twelve men took stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to, they carried them to the camp and set them down there. The 12 tribes represented all of Israel. It reminded uh, the reason God made this distinctive act of having one man from each tribe go into that river and pick up a stone and carry it out and that all 12 would then um, would, would take their, their individual stones and then they would pile them together. God was, was showing the importance of the individual, the importance of each tribe so that someone could stay, say, that's my stone. But there was also the distinctiveness of it being a community thing. So it was both recognizing the individual, the importance of each individual tribe and recognizing the collective group by saying, yes, that's my stone. Yes, those are our stones. So that distinctive nature of, uh, of, of memorials was reflected as those members of each of those tribes walked into that river and picked out a stone as they were representing all of Israel. Also, taking those stones from that actual riverbed, again, was a, was a reminder of the miraculous deliverance and power of God. They could have taken 12 stones from anywhere. But God, again, wanted to burn into their memory what he was doing. And so it was into that riverbed that they had crossed. As they had witnessed that miraculous provision of God, that was into that riverbed that they went. And they got stones from that, from the bottom of that river. And they took them out and took them with them so that they, again, were remembering in a very distinctive way, a very unmistakable way, the fact that God had provided for them. Memorials are distinctive. Memorials uh, are, are a statement for us. They help us uh, to proclaim something, right? And memorials are ones that endure, that last. Memorials are things commemorate something that's worth commemorating. In fact, memorials are part of our Christian life. And one of the greatest memorials that we have in Christianity is observing Holy Communion. When we observe Holy Communion, we are really observing a memorial. Paul spoke of that when he referred to what happened on the night that the first communion service happened, when Jesus, uh, the night he was betrayed, the night he would be on, put on trial, the night he would be sentenced and ultimately uh, killed, crucified for the sins of humanity. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, he says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why do we take communion? Because we always want to do what? Remember. Remember what Jesus had done for us. That memorial that he instituted was one that was distinctive. It's centered around some simple elements of juice and bread. It's enduring. Jesus seems to give to us in this the directive to continue to do it and that as often as we do it, we do it in remembrance of him. And it's also a proclamation, right? As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim it to ourselves. We remind ourselves of his death and the importance of his death until he comes again to redeem his people. And we also proclaim that to the world. So Jesus, the memorial that we have that he instituted, the memorial of Holy Communion, is one that answers the why question. <laughs> he doesn't want us for, to forget, of course, what he was about. So we do it in remembrance of him. And it is a distinctive proclamation that endures forever, forever for those of us who are in the body of Christ, in the family of God. So this morning, as we uh, tried to give you some advance notice this week, if you're part of the Calvary family, to kind of prepare and have those communion elements ready, something that you can use as juice. It doesn't have to be grape juice. You can use just something that you can uh, drink today. And then also some sort of piece of bread that you can use uh, to, to reflect his body. And so if you, if you haven't uh, prepared that already, uh, no worries. You can uh, run and grab that here in just a moment. In fact, um, there's going to be maybe two or three minutes of uh, some instrumental music uh, accompanied with some, uh, uh, some scripture verses on your screen. And so you can take those two or three minutes to get those elements that you need to have uh, and then come, come on back and spend some time, hopefully just you know remembering, contemplating, kind of meditating on the incredible gift of the, the body and blood of our Savior Jesus and what that means for us who receive him by faith that we have new life. So I'm going to pray to lead you into that time of, of preparation as well as reflection. And then I'll be back in just a couple of minutes uh, to lead you as we eat and drink together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to remember on this Memorial Day weekend the greatest sacrifice that ever occurred, the sacrifice of your son that we might have life. And we pray, God, that as we eat and drink together in a few minutes, that we would recognize the significance of the gift of Jesus in the flesh and the significance of his shed blood that gives us life. We ask God that as we, um, as we experience that together, that you would be in our midst and that you would move and that you would um, just, um, just really change us and that there would be, Lord, just spiritual growth that occurs as we experience communion together today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. See you in just a couple of minutes.
Well, we hope that uh, you were able to secure something that you could use for the elements of communion today. Remember that uh, we practice open communion. And so if you're watching, you're invited uh, to participate if you've received Jesus as Savior. I want to read that passage of scripture again from 1 Corinthians 11, uh, that, where Paul recounts what happened on that night that Jesus instituted uh, communion as he shared in the Passover meal with his uh, first followers. Paul writes again, 1 Corinthians 11, beginning in verse 23, this. I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So on that night, when Jesus held up that piece of bread, uh, he said about that bread to his followers that this was his body. When he broke it, it, of course, was a picture of his body being broken and torn for us. He passed that bread among those followers, his followers, his friends, and he invited them to eat of it. And I invite you to do that very same thing. He invites us to do that very same thing, to take that piece of bread and eat it in remembrance of the gift of Jesus in the flesh. Let's eat together. Continuing on in verse 25, Paul says in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. In that cup that Paul had, or I'm sorry, that Jesus had that Paul's referring to, uh, there was wine and that wine, about that wine, Jesus says it was the blood of the new covenant, uh, his blood that would be shed for us so that we could have life. His death meant life for us. And so as we uh, remember today, the gift of his shed blood, we drink together in the name of Jesus. Remember that Paul said, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so that wonderful proclamation that we made to ourselves today and to the entire world as we shared it together is one that is worth commemorating always and forever and regularly because of the incredible significance of the gift of Jesus in the flesh and his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to receive communion today. We pray that it would have been a blessing and a reminder for each of us of just how great the gift of Jesus is. We pray, Lord, that it would, as we taking communion regularly in our spiritual lives, that it would just continue to be that powerful reminder of uh, all that Jesus is and the calling that he has on our lives. We pray all of those things, Lord, in his great name, the one who brings us light, forgiveness and life, both abundant and eternal the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us today at our online service. Uh, we, we pray that you would enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend, that you would stay safe, but have an opportunity to also have some enjoyment as well. Thanks. Take care. And we look forward to seeing you soon.